0: You'll turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Colossians, as we continue slowly plodding through here. I'm going to read those first seven verses again for you this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. If, then, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life was hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Let's see God's face as we look into His Word. Father, we are totally dependent upon the Spirit of God. He is our great teacher and guide. I pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts together as we look into Your Word will be acceptable in Your sight. Lord, give us a spirit that is teachable and minds that are receptive and hearts that are obedient. Thank you for being with us for teaching us and guiding us in all things. We just praise your name and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. We have been looking at this third chapter of the book of Colossians under the heading how to grow in our Christian walk. How to grow in our Christian walk and if there's anything that I think all of us uh, probably need a little bit of is growth in our Christian walk and uh, uh, at least I know I do I don't know, I don't know about you but uh, it, it's something that we need and we looked last week and did a review on the first two commands find fellowship with Christ in verse 1. Seek those things which are above where Christ exists. Seated at the right hand of God. And then we looked at verses 2 through 4. Fix your focus properly. Fix your focus properly. Set your mind or have a mindset on things above and not on things on the earth. And uh, as I pointed out, I think we must We must first and foremost obey these two commands if we are going to grow in our Christian life because these two commands focus on things that are eternal and on the person of Jesus Christ and therefore they are vital to us in our Christian walk and our Christian growth and so it's very important for us uh, to understand that Um I'm I'm going to do something here. I'm going to make a jump just to tie things together. And then I'll get back to verses 5 through 7. But uh, um, as we looked at these first two verses, we saw that the mandates were based on our standing in Christ. In other words, because... I am living in the resurrection life. Therefore, I can keep seeking those things which are above. If I'm not living in the resurrection life, that is, if I'm not a Christian, then I can't keep seeking those things. It's impossible. You see? And so, it's it's based on my relationship with Jesus Christ, my standing in Him. And uh, let me remind you again, that that word with there is together with. I was I was raised together with Christ. When Christ was raised, I was raised. When I came to know Christ, isn't the big issue. It's what God determined and how God planned it. And so that's that's important. And then the second. Uh, uh, standing we have is that we died with Christ and Paul makes that very clear in that 6th chapter of Romans and in, in the 10th uh, uh, verse he said Christ died once and, and the Greek word there is Christ died once and only once he didn't have to die a whole bunch of times he died only once and only once and he was raised again And then in verse 11, the challenge is to us. He says, Therefore, consider yourselves also as dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, that's the fixation of our thinking. That's where we should be thinking. So the mandates are based on our standing in Christ in his death and resurrection. Now I'm going to pop all the way down to verse 16. And uh, what I call the method based on the sources provided. The method based on the sources provided. In verse 16 we read, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now the Holy Spirit not only gave us commands and and this is one of the commands this is the eighth command in the secret sequence but the importance of this command is that it's part of the equipping that God has done so that we can do and obey the first two commands regularly. You see, they're all tied together. And, and the command here is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, uh, let, me, let me give you a, a literal translation. By the way, in, in the original the word order is totally different than it is in English. And it starts the word. That's that's how uh, Paul starts this. He says the word. And uh, most of you know that the uh, Greek word is logos. Everybody, I think that's a common term. But the, the word logos really means, uh, is understood in Greek to mean intelligent discourse intelligent discourse so what he's saying here is the intelligent discourse belonging to Christ so he's talking about a very specific intelligent discourse that belonging to Christ says let it make its home in the sphere of you in other words let it let it live right within you. Let it live in you ab- abundantly in, all, in the sphere of all expertise. That word wisdom, the word wisdom in Greek means expertise. You have expertise in something. Did you know that we as believers can have expertise in the word of God? We don't think about that, do we? But notice what he says. It has to be in us abundantly. And it has to be dealt with expertly. And we'll just deal with that in a moment. How we deal with it expertly. But let me point out that in our fellowship, as Pastor Tony is leading us, we have opportunities to have Abundance of the truth. We have our Sunday morning services. We have our classes that we are learning. We have we have our prayer meeting. That's that's we're getting a lot of material, a lot of abundance. But guess what? That's not enough. That's not enough. The real heart of the abundance of God's word dwelling within us. Abiding, having its home in us, is what we do personally with the Word of God. And that's vital and important. How much time, how much time do I spend every day asking the Spirit to teach me as I study the Word of God? You see, my growth, my growth depends on both sides. Let me illustrate. Uh, most people who go to church have a tendency to w- do what I call a fasting program spiritually. They, they, they get a big meal on Sunday and they come to church and they fast on Monday and Tuesday. And then they come to church on Wednesday to get another meal. And then they fa- fast on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And then they come back to get another meal on Sunday. And sometimes in our church we come on Thursday. So we do a lot of fasting in between. And and that's, that's good if you're trying to lose weight. But we're trying to grow we're not trying to lose spiritual weight, we're trying to gain it. You see, and we're trying to grow. So you have to have something every day. You have to have a good meal every day. And if you don't, what happens is there's automatic spiritual decay. So he says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." And and we need to do that. We need to have Christ's word in our hearts. And that's There's the second part of that is the parallel passage which you find in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, there's a command. It says, continue being made full in the sphere of the Spirit. So it's not enough just to read the Bible You have to be taught by the Spirit. It's very interesting when Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, and you can find it in John 14, 15, and 16. He said, He will teach you all things, whatever I have said. All things. So He's the teacher. He's sent as the teacher. And how many people have the Holy Spirit? Everybody, yeah, not just the pastor, everybody. Everybody's got the Holy Spirit, so the teacher is in them, you see? And he says here, continue being filled, full of the Holy Spirit. That that indicates, if you look at the parallel he's drawing there of being drunk and being filled with the Spirit... How do you know a drunk man? Yeah, You can, you can tell him by his walk, by his talk, you know, by the way he acts. Uh, we as believers, if we are walking in the Spirit, you can tell that we're walking in the Spirit by the way we walk, the way we talk, and the way we act. You see? And so it's vital for us, but the Spirit then begins to teach us the deep truths of Jesus Christ but what he does is he applies those truths to us and makes them live in us so that our lives are transformed and changed. And that's what, that's what God's all about. So I just, I just bring you down to that, for, go from uh, the first two commands down to the eighth, because God has given us Everything we need, according to Peter, for life and godliness. There's there's nothing missing. 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 You see, everything. Everything's there. Everything we need. And uh, this is the great thing. Jesus made a very interesting statement that fits uh, what I call one and two and eight. That's the commands 1 and 2 and 8. He said in John 15 verses 7 and 8, he says, If you abide in me, that's 1 and 2, commands 1 and 2, and my word abides in you, that's command 8, you see. He says, You shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Notice, and I want you to get hold of what Jesus said here. He says, it shall be done unto you. It's something that's going to happen to you. If you abide in him and his word abides in you, you can ask him for spiritual growth. You can ask him for comprehension. You can ask him for understanding. You can ask him for patience. You can ask him for anything you need and it will be done. How do I know that's what he's talking about? Well, look at what he says in verse 8. He says, Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit is God glorified with? God is glorified when we are changed into the image of his son. See, that's what he has decreed should be happening to us that we should be conformed to the image of his son. That's why in Romans chapter 8, everybody knows verse 28. All things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Why? How? The answer is in verse 29. Because God has decreed that we should be conformed to the image of Christ. That's how everything works together for good because it works for the purpose of conforming us to the image of Christ. And so it's vital and important for us to understand that God has given us his word and Jesus Christ has encouraged it and he has given us his spirit. And just as a segue into verses Five through 7, I want to read Galatians 5 verses 16 through 8 uh, 21 and the reason I'm reading these is because there's there's a kind of a parallel thought here and it's important for us to understand that uh, our battle is not with And this may shock you, Satan. You know where our battle is with me. I have I have bigger trouble with me than I have with the devil. You know why? Because Jesus conquered Satan. He conquered Satan. And he has left me here in my flesh and someday by his grace that flesh will be made and I will have a body like him. I don't know about you, but I sure look forward to that. Not not because of all pains, but because all the boo-boos I make in my life. uh, That's why. Galatians 5.16, it says, "'This I say then, walk in the Spirit "'and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh.'" See, that's where our battle is. Between walking in the spirit. And walking in the flesh. Doing what pleases me. He says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. There's a battle going on here. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are, notice this, contrary one to another. They're contrary because they're always in battle. He says, he says, So that you cannot do the things you would. But, to the contrary, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, we think of the law as just the Ten Commandments, but that's any legal impositions we put upon ourselves even. Any, anything that comes out of the flesh and is done by the flesh you see paul makes it very clear if you read through the book of galatians that that the law is or was in the old covenant the works of the flesh and so he's drawing this comparison here he says now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these and and here he gives us a list and we'll see it's a different list and there's you can find all different lists that paul gives uh, through, through his uh, uh, writings he says uh, now these are the works the, the manifest works of the flesh adultery, fornication uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft and hatred how did we get that with all And then he goes on. Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. You got a lot of those in the church today, don't we? Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. All all these kind of things. Of which I tell you before, as I've told you in the time past, they, listen to this, they that continue continually doing those things. That's what the verb indicates. They that continually, continually, continue doing those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why does he make that statement? Because John says the same thing. If we continue in sin, it's very evident that we are not the sons of God. So we don't continue going on into sin. Does that mean that we don't sin sometime? Of course we do. Of course we do. But we don't continually continue practicing sin. So now that leads us right directly into the third command. And I've entitled the third command Flee Former Sins. Flee Former Sins. In other words when you see your former sins Coming up in the flesh Get on your horse and run Get out of there Don't even think about it Just move on out And uh, he starts off In that fifth verse He says Therefore Put to death Your members Which are on the earth Now, he's here talking about what I call the control mechanism. The control mechanism is putting things to death. And this is the command. Put to death. Put to death. But what does the therefore refer to? You know, it's it's a common saying. Therefore, is therefore for something. What is it therefore? What is what is he referring to? Well, he can be referring to everything he said, verses one through four, being united with Christ in his death and resurrection, uh, and all of that. But I think it really comes down to verses three and four, what he's just finished saying. He says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The, The motivation to put to death the deeds of the flesh, that is the mechanism that controls us is our awareness that we have Died with Christ. We are dead to sin. We have died to sin. Now let me let me explain what that means. It does not mean that we have died to the ability to sin. I won't. I, I, I won't ask you. I was going to say how many have never sinned this past week. Uh, don't put up your hand. Uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, uh we 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 all have the ability to sin but we have died to the slavery of sin and that's that's the whole teaching again of Romans 6 he says you were slaves of sin before but you're still slaves now but now you're slaves of righteousness you see so so we're under a great slavery a slavery of righteousness But when it comes to sin, we've died to that slavery. It doesn't control us anymore. It's not master over us. It doesn't control us. And so that is part of the control mechanism that God has given to us so we can put to death the deeds of the flesh. I don't know about you. I think that's pretty wonderful. I think a lot of us as Christians are like a lot of people on New Year's Eve, you know. They make resolutions, and one minute after 12, they break them all. You know, and, uh, and often we as, we as Christians say, I, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And uh, what happens? Kerboom, we fall flat on our face. You see? And why? Because we are totally dependent on being hidden with Christ in God. And that's that's where our victory comes. Our victory comes from being hidden with Christ in God. So he says, accordingly have put to death the members of your body or your flesh. And by the way, the word body means... Uh, Has the idea in the original of all different parts being joined together to make one whole. So it's talking about your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, whatever you do, your flesh, everything that's your flesh. He says, uh, uh, put those to death and remember the flesh, the flesh is the seat of our desires and and the things that drive us. So he says, put those to death. Put those to death. The ones that are upon the earth that you're living in right now. And uh, I I think that it's vital and important for us to see this. Let me just give you a few other examples of scripture where we see this same kind of uh, assertion that we should... Put to death the things of the flesh and live in the power of Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. It it says, uh, Beloved, now, right now, are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear or hasn't been revealed what we're going to be. But we know this. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, whatever that means. I, I I, wish I could fully understand that. I know it means one thing for me, though. I won't be sinning anymore. and And that's the great part. That's the great part, okay? That when he appears, I will be like him. How or why? Because I will see him as he is and you see this is vital for us because the more I see him as he is we're going back to command one and two the more I'm going to become like him and that's what makes it vital that's what makes it beautiful because everything has to do with what I am becoming in Jesus Christ. Now, uh, I I, I pointed out earlier that uh, 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 this whole thing is for our becoming like Christ. And it all works for that end. And that's what God's ultimate purpose is. And I think that's wonderful. Another passage it says in First Corinthians ten, thirteen and to fourteen, it says, There is no testing taken you but such as is common to man. In other words, whatever you're gonna go through, somebody else has gone through it. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like Elijah laying under the bush and saying, I only I am left alone. I, no, 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 no. No, no. Every man goes through the same temptation. So how do we handle that? How do we handle that? Well, he tells us. He says, but to the contrary, God is faithful. Isn't that wonderful? God is faithful. We, we, we live on the faithfulness of God in the midst of our testing whatever that testing may be, however hard it may be, however difficult it may be, we live in the faithfulness of God because faithful is he who called you who will also do it, will also do it. So he says, who will not suffer or allow us to be tested above that we are able or capable of, but will with the testing also make a way to escape or to go through the testing that we might be able to bear it wherefore my dearly beloved and then notice we get another one of these fleas here not the ones that this says. flee from idolatry flee from idolatry we have to keep We have to keep making, keep from making. Excuse me, idols of things that we're going through. Like nobody's ever gone through what I go through. If you only knew what I went through. You know, uh, it's it's just common. It's part of all of us. And so, don't make an idol of that thing. Don't even make an idol of yourself by doing that. Just, just run, run, run. Get away from it. And then in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, he says, for, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Notice, he didn't say it's evil to be rich. He says, it's the love of money. Why? Because when I love money, it becomes my idol. Because it becomes the thing I live for, the thing I worship, the thing I go after most in my life. He says, it's the root of all kinds of evil, which while some coveted, and we saw covetousness as idolatry, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, they stabbed themselves with sorrows. They stabbed themselves with sorrows by loving money. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. You are doing a lot of fleeing today, aren't we? Just running away. But remember... When you flee, you have to follow. He goes on and says, Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. You don't just leave those things behind. You get something new and replace it. You replace it. And he says, Fight the good fight of faith. That's a command. By the way, it's not an option. It says, lay hold on eternal life, another command, not an option, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. In other words, we have have made a profession and we should be living and living out our lives according to the profession that we made. know we have a baptism service what does baptism represent what is what is my confession when I am baptized I am confessing that I died with Christ and I was raised with him to newness of life that's my confession is my confession then in my life evidenced by the working of the grace of God and the spirit and the word in my life. And this is something that's vital. So that's, that's the control mechanism. It's found in the grace of God and the effective power and working of God. Because we are hidden with Christ in God. And uh, nobody can take us out of that. Nobody Then the second thing I want you to notice is what I call the corruption manifested. And that's in the second half of verse 5. He says, uh, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Or let me give you a literal translation. Sexual sin, moral uncleanness, passion, or lust. Worthless desires, also greediness, which exists as idolatry. Do you ever look at something and say, Oh, I just wish I had that. You know what that is? That's idolatry. Because you're coveting something that's not yours. And God, God says, all of these, all of these in this sh- short list, are things that should be put to death. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be part of our lives. They should be put to death. And I think what Paul is doing is giving us, giving us, a partial list. But if you look at those words, you will see they're. There are lists of groups of things that you could do. So they're kind of headings. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. All these things that he's listed, you see, are things that we once were. That we once were. There is not one of us. That doesn't fit into that category. We are all. All. Excuse me. By nature. Children of disobedience. And he goes on. In Ephesians chapter 2. and Verse 3 says. Among whom also. We all had our lifestyle. In times past. In the lusts. Of our flesh. See we get back to this. Lust of the flesh problem. It says fulfilling. The desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And were by nature. The children. Of wrath. That there, there is. None of us. None of us. That in one period of our life up until the grace of God moved in, were not children of wrath. And it's only the grace of God that removes the wrath of God. And, and that's the wonderful truth. I can't change myself, but God can change me. And how grateful I am for his grace. So that's the... Uh, corruption manifested and then the third thing I want you to notice here is what I call the curse motivated I mean what motivated the curse well he goes on in verse 6 and let me give you a translation here he says through which the wrath of God is being passed along upon the children belonging to disobedience we are not children of disobedience. We are children of obedience. We do disobey at times. At least I do. I shouldn't say we because I'm answering for you. I can't do that. Uh, but I do disobey at times. But that's not what I am. I am a child of obedience. It says, it says that in, in the book of Acts... It says that when, when the spirit of God was moving there in the early church and in that fourth chapter of the book of Acts, it says, it says even many of the uh, uh, priests were obedient to the faith. You see, we were obedient and that obedience was an obedience that was given to us by the grace of God. And so we were obedient to the faith. And uh, because corruption is evident in this world, and I don't have to tell you about it. You can see it everywhere. Corruption is evident in this world. God, wrath, is going to be poured out upon it. And the scripture makes that very clear. The scripture makes that very clear. Because they are disobedient. They had to be put to death. But notice. As far as we are concerned in the text here. We have two things. That help us. In this. uh, Process. And it's what I call the connection mortified. That's what I mean, the connection put to death. Notice in verse 7, it says, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. And again, let me give you a literal translation. In the sphere of which you also walked whenever at that time you used to live in the spear of it. In other words, there was a time where you did that. You see, but God, God took care of the problem, put it to death. And I don't know about you, but to me, that is one of the greatest things that we have. And uh, we, we, have to, we have to realize that as, as believers, as believers, We have the tremendous privilege of the grace of God at work within us because we are united to Christ in his death and resurrection to have victory over disobedience and walk in obedience. Is it easy? Of course not. But we have, and that's why I took you back to that eighth command. We have the resource of the word of God and the spirit of God. And as Paul reminds us in Romans chapter eight, he says, we are super conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And so we live we live and walk and can put to death the deeds of the flesh and those things that we used to practice all the time and get rid of those old habits, run away from them, run into the habits of righteousness by the grace of God through the work of God in our hearts who has made us the kind of people he wants us to be. And, and this, is, this is the wonderful blessing and message that we have. You see, he says, put him to death, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Put him to death because you can, because you can. Have you ever got to the place, and I know I have in my experience, where I I can't do it. And he says, yes, you can, because I can do it in you, for you, and through you. And that's the great message of the Word of God. That's where our hope lies. And uh, I trust that even as we meet around the Lord's table, we will be aware that everything he accomplished is so that we can be super conquerors through him. Through him. And may that be true of our church as a body as we work together here. Let's close in prayer. (coughs) Father, thank you for the great word that you have for us. Thank you for the truth that is there. and I just pray you will teach us what it means to flee from our former sins through the strength and wisdom and grace that comes through the word of God and the spirit of God. And I pray that as we seek the word and as we are taught the word by the Spirit, we might see the glories of Christ and be transformed from glory to glory into his likeness. May this be true of ourselves as individuals and as a body, that people who come here will know that we bear the image of Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name and to his glory. Amen.